Welcome along to the returning Loftcast. As we all slowly emerge from lockdown, we finally have football to talk about. I'm Paul Morrissey from the club's media team, and I'm joined today via Zoom by club ambassador Andy Sinton and my media colleague, Matt Webb. So, what to talk about? Well, we'll be chatting about life during the lockdown and at last, the game of football as well. So, what happened against Barnsley? What went wrong? Andy Sinton will be dissecting the 1-0 loss to the Tykes. We'll be looking ahead to Saturday's trip to Charlton, as well as next Tuesday's home game against Fulham. We'll also be getting the verdict of centre-back Connor Masterson. It's all right here. We're back on the Loftcast. Well, since Webby, thanks very much for joining us on the Loftcast. It's great to be back on the Loftcast and it's brilliant to have football to finally talk about in terms of matters on the pitch. We'll go into that in a minute, but... Firstly, um, from your point of view since, how does it feel to have football starting? Well, it has. It's returned in a, a new kind of normal, but it's while the result wasn't good for us on Saturday, and we'll talk about that in a minute, it's great to see football back again, isn't it? It certainly is. It's been a long time. You know, what has it been? Uh, 14 weeks or so since we, we last saw the team or the teams up and down the country in action. You know, um, you know the lockdown period's been... It's been so hard for for so many people, you know, up and down the country. My my first thoughts to anyone who's listening who's lost a loved one, you know, um, sympathy with you, you know, but the challenges that lockdown's thrown up, you know, not being able to see your loved ones, uh, not being able to say parents, your, your your children, me personally, not being able to give my son a hug and hug my grandchild. It's been so so hard, but. Um, but, you know, sometimes I wake up in the morning and just feel blessed, you know, that uh, I or my family haven't had it. Um, but, yeah, it's been so, so difficult and challenging for everyone, uh, especially the older and the vulnerable. And also, since throughout this period, you've been kept nice and busy calling vulnerable supporters, hosting Skype calls. And it's been an important time for the club to understand the role that it can play. Well, there has been no football that doesn't mean there hasn't been a vital role for QPR to, to serve its local community, and not just its local community, but its fan base. Well, football plays a huge, huge part of many people's lives, you know, um, and it's over the past few months we realise how big a part it plays. Um, and, you know, without being able to watch the team, um, yeah, nothing to report on as such. You know, you guys, I think, have done a tremendous job because you've... You've, you've kept the content elements going. You've reached out to fans uh, locally, across the world. Um, you know, getting people like myself to ring vulnerable fans, people who are suffering, people who've got, uh, got loved ones in hospital, and everything that I've just talked about. You know, this isolation part of things being the hardest. So it's been, from my point of view, it's been a privilege to be able to do that. Very humbling experience. Some of the times, you know, some challenging phone calls, but in the grand scheme of things wonderful to be able to do I just think it shows the importance of a football club a football club yet yeah, we we look at the Saturday afternoon and the result and the points and how the team's playing but in times like this the football club has played a huge massive part in uh, in lifting the spirits of so many people I've well, since you've done a, an amazing job over over that period without a doubt and Webby the are you okay initiative is just a Another example of that and the great work from Andy Evans and his team in the, the QPR Trust as well. They've reached out to, to so many supporters, whether it's their extra time club members or just supporters they're aware, aware of that are vulnerable and just need 
a little bit of help. They might be a little bit isolated or not sure who to turn to. And through Andy and his team, they've they've made sure that that contact has been maintained for a, a very vital period. Yeah, no, and some some uh, some great work by Andy and his team again. I think echoing what what Sint says really about you know thoughts with everyone who who has um, unfortunately lost uh, loved ones. I think it's been a really challenging period. You've had people losing loved ones, um, dealing with isolation, um, a lot of people losing their jobs, um, having worries over their jobs. So, yeah, the fact that, you know, the, the trusts have been there on hand to kind of um, to kind of support people has been great. Um, yeah. And the Dean McKee banner, which was displayed proudly on Saturday, that is almost, <coughs> will be a, a constant reminder of the tra- tragedy of COVID-19. Dean, just 28 years old and an incredibly gifted young man. And we, we all know exactly how gifted he is with the, the poem that is played just before the, the team come out. And that will continue to, to be the case. But that, since I guess, is a constant reminder of, of just how tragic a period it has been. Very much so. For it to happen to someone so young, it really... I think, Paul, that was probably the first time it really, really hit me what it what it was um, what it was all about. I remember exactly where I was. I was outside. I was doing something in my front garden, and my son uh, came down the stairs and uh, broke the news. And I, it, it took a little bit of a while to sink in. And I went and switched the um, my phone on on the internet and saw it, and you know played the poem that the the team ran out to. And actually, I've got no shame to admit, I was actually in tears because I just thought, you know what. This horrible thing that's going around suddenly it's hit someone uh, I don't know personally. I think I met Dean once, but you know, it, it suddenly made that connection of what was out there to our football club so, so real. And uh, I was just stunned. And uh, as I say, my, my sympathies go out to the go out to the family. The poem is brilliant. Um, I gather it's going to continue to be played, and that's 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 an amazing because that epitomises what our club is uh, and should be remembered for what it's all about. Since you know what, I uh, I agree with you, what you said there about it was the first kind of time you, you kind of looked at it and thought, wow, you know, I, I think a lot of people were kind of um, not nonchalant about it, but thought, you yeah. know, can it really affect me? But I think that kind of, you know, Dean's unfortunate passing really made a lot of people kind of stand up and think, well, 28, this doesn't discriminate, you know. No, that's as I say, yeah, you're absolutely spot on. That's the first time it really hit me. I, I, I hadn't been in contact with anyone who had got it. Um, certainly none of my family, which uh, you know, blessed blessed for that. But that was the first time. And I think everyone will share a, a, a moment during the three or four months where it actually hit. That was one for me, and I don't mind saying the other one was when the PM announces he's got it. You know, because you just suddenly think. And for me, similar sort of age, I'm just thinking, you know what? No one's safe here. No one's actually safe here. So my my thoughts, my prayers go out to everyone who's gone through such a horrendous time. But uh, as I say, thankfully, thankfully we seem to be on the the coming out the other side. Long way to go yet. Not out the woods yet. But uh, and football coming back and player, I think can play a huge huge part in that uh, recovery period. Well, football has now come back. It has returned. We didn't get the result we wanted on Saturday against Barnsley but from a, a player point of view since if you were coming into 
I mean, we've said many times it's an unprecedented scenario. You've seen many things in football. This is something you didn't experience, thankfully, during your time as a player. And that is having this bizarre period of non-activity and then three weeks to prepare for competitive football. As a player, I'd imagine there's that excitement of, of being back. But is there a, a trepidation and nervousness? I think there would have been a bit of everything, Paul. First of all, you know, this is not an excuse. I think the players uh, up and down the country, not just QPR players, any player, you know, really difficult situation they were in because if we had to finish the season in normal circumstances, we would have played West Brom on what was it, the 2nd of May. The players would have then done their test and would have had six or seven weeks off. They would have been coming back round about now. But the point I'm trying to make is that would have been a definite date that they had to aim for. Yeah, go and get your rest. Yeah, go and get your holiday. Yeah, go and spend a bit of time with your family. Then start your individual programs. But you're geared up to coming back on June 23rd, 24th, 25th, whatever it is. The difficulty the players had, just like everyone had in all sorts of industries, any job, there was no end date to work towards. So... It was obviously it was going to be shut down for a while, so have you a little bit of downtime. I know the players were given programs that they were following two, three times a day, you know. So, uh, but again, there was nothing to nothing tangible to be aiming for, and that's what I felt would have been the hardest part for the players. Then suddenly, or not suddenly, um, and I'm trying to say what I want to say here because football was always going to come back, but there was no end date to suddenly say you're going to be playing on June the 20th less than three weeks to prepare for that I think was really 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 difficult and it's not about fitness I've already said the players would have been trained at home given programs by the sports scientists two three times a day you know they would have been fit but I can tell you haven't been a player you can do all the training at home you can do all your pre-season you can do all the running but until you're into games or proper training with physical contact, with the tempos high, you're never quite sure where you are. So uh, less than three weeks was really, really hard for the players. I will counter that by everyone's in the same boat. I'm just saying as a, as a former player, it must have been, I know how difficult it would have been. And Webber, you were amongst the, the few people who were at the Kind Prince Foundation Stadium on Saturday for QPR against Barnsley. Firstly, from a, if you like, a, a supporter's point of view, if, if you like, how, how did you find the experience of watching that game, such a competitive game, but with no crowd? It was surreal. Did I, did I enjoy it? I, I don't want to sound selfish because, you know, there were, without security, probably less than 100 people in the stadium, but not particularly. Was that result dependent? Maybe. Um, what but, did you enjoy about it? Just the oddness of it. I think it was the oddness. I, I mean, you know, you know, we play a, a role in welcoming, welcoming members of the media into the stadium. You're doing it with a face mask. It, it felt, it felt like, in a way, something out of a, of a, of a film, a movie. Mm. Um, but I think the one thing for me, one of the things for me is with the game. Really, I mean, you're one nil down at home to Barnsley. Second half, you know, it was for me. It was maybe the the way the fans perhaps couldn't influence the game. Now, 1-0 down at home to Barnsley, you'd expect the crowd to maybe, you know, for want of a better phrase, put a bit of a rocket up the team in the second half to kind of get them on to, to you know, a result. And, yeah, that was probably one of the things I didn't enjoy. You know, 
Mm. as soon as we can get fans back into the stadiums it, it will be great but for, for that reason especially you know you felt that that maybe that that probably would have helped us in the second half against Barnsley and since for you a special mention to the QPR fan who turned up and uh, strolled over to you as you were waiting to get in the stadium and said any chance you can sneak me in since although I have to say um, I know the QPR ops team were really pleased that QPR fans did heed the the message to stay away. Mark Warburton wants the players to be able to enter the stadium in the same way that they ordinarily can to make, have that feeling of it being a normal fixture. And the reality was, had fans turned up, then that wouldn't have been a possibility. So I know the Ops team were, were really pleased that QPR fans did heed the warning, but there, there was one supporter who tried to sneak his way in with you. Um, since from your side, it must be very strange, and we'll speak with Conor Masterson in a bit about how, how he found it, but it must be strange. I don't imagine a player of your ability playing, played in many resi games over the years, but on the rare occasion that you did, it's just chalk and cheese, I would imagine. There's no comparison. So the fact that it was a genuine competitive fixture with no crowd, it must be so strange from a psychological point of view for a player. It's all well and good knowing... It's a competitive game, but it doesn't have the feel. Whatever you can try, and we had the, the the noise piped into the stadium, which was great and effective. But it's it's not the same, is it? No, not the same. Um, you know, I played in behind closed doors games. Um, I played in training gang games. I played in you know reserve games in front of a handful of people, but, but um, never anything like that. And um, it was hard to watch. It was hard to be part of, although it was great to be part of and privileged to be in the stadium. But it must have been really, really difficult. You know, um, same for everyone. Yes, I know. But uh, I'm just trying to put my ex-players hat on. How would I cope? Well, I don't know, um, is, is the answer. But I think the players, the teams, the squads, the management who cope with the not the norm will stand a better chance. I think... Um, Having no crowds, I think home advantage goes completely out the window. We've seen that, you know, with some of the games that we've seen um, on the TV. Um, you know, I would say it's brilliant that it's fantastic football's back, uh, long overdue. But a little bit of me, football without the fans, it's not the same. It's a game for the fans. Um, fans make the game. The fans are the real important ones, you know. But uh, but we've had to make a step in the right direction to get the season finishing. Uh, which, it, which is tremendous. But uh, I really look forward to the day when all this goes away and we're all safe and uh, fans can pack the stadium and really vent off their frustration, you know, get excited like I do and just enjoy something that is a huge, huge part of their life. Yeah, absolutely. Turning to the game, um, come to you first, Webby. What were your thoughts on, on the first half? It was it was a disappointing performance. Mark Warburton typically didn't pull any punches afterwards in his assessment. Um, he, he was disappointed, particularly with the first half. Um, we just, Barnsley flew out of the traps, really, and we, we struggled to get going, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, um, you know, if we're, if we're being completely honest, 1 0 at half time probably flattered us a little bit. Um, I think Barnsley. Um, Barnsley had their chances, had a really good chance just after they scored their first to, to, to score a second. I know they uh, hit the bar just before half-time, so yeah, not really at the races. Um, spoke to actually, spoke to Johan Barbe actually earlier uh, for an interview, and he uh, interestingly said um, that uh, it was our second lowest running stats of the season. 
Um, I think Barnsley away might have been the uh, the lowest. Um, so that's an interesting one. You know, since you talked about are the players fit? Yes, they're fit, but is it about is it about the mental challenge for the last you know remaining games of the season? It seems that way. Yeah, what did you think since it was um, it was a, a tough start or well, tough restart? Yeah, well, you put your QPR hat on, you know, 14 weeks away or whatever it's been. You're, you're looking forward to getting back. Um, you, you want a performance, you want to win. You know, we're six points off playoffs. You're thinking, you know what, a couple of results go our way, which in hindsight they did. Um, you know, we could be we could be in a really great position come five o'clock or whatever, you know. But, um, but yeah, just for, for whatever reason, never really got started. Um, Give a poor goal away, I felt, after seven minutes. Um, there's two or three things I'm sure Mark has gone through with the team that I picked up on one while the goal was conceded. But, and that seemed to knock us. Barnsley, buoyed by that. Uh, Jacob Brand probably should make it 2-0 a couple of minutes later. Uh, Woodrow then's in a good position and miss kicks. They hit the bar. So, as Webby said, and quite rightly, we could have gone at half-time with a lot worse. Um, but, yes, yeah, just... I don't think anyone can put their finger it. You know, the, the players want to want to perform. The players would have wanted to put on a um, a performance and a show for the many people that were watching it by the stream, and certainly would have wanted the, to get the result that would have propelled them into a really really good position. Didn't happen, and I think we probably lost the game on Saturday in the first twenty odd minutes because having played sometimes and no sort of uh, circumstances, if you like, uh, it's very difficult if you start flat to be able to pick it up. Um, and I think that's what happened. We got better as the game went on, but still nowhere near, in my opinion, nowhere near where we were prior to the lockdown and where we've seen for the majority of this season. You were saying it's difficult to put your finger on why the performance wasn't at the level going into the, the lockdown. Of course, we we're one of the form teams in the division with 12 points from the previous six games. If you are in the manager's shoes, you have to try and put your finger on what went wrong. If you were to, to play that role, if I was to put you in the dugout and you're looking at it, what areas would you say, well, OK, this is where we perhaps came up short compared with how we had been previously? I think we lacked our normal intensity. Um, you know, I see a lot of Mark's interviews he does with you guys and I really enjoyed the way we played this season. You know what he's what he's brought the identity the 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 way we try and dominate the football the way we press the way we close and I just think we lacked intensity in terms of with and without the ball and um, I try and analyse it you know sat in the car on the drive home the other night think you know what what would I have said today but I just think if you have one two three four five players slightly off slightly off their best in terms of uh, sharpness the passing their touch. The creativity, you know, you, you're going to suffer as a team. And uh, if you're off individually, if you're off collectively, you, you, in this league, we say time and time again, if you're not at your best, you get punished. And we got punished Saturday. As I say, got better as the game went on. But it wasn't enough and we left it a little bit too late. Our better two chances came right towards the end of the game. Didn't take them. So you lose the game. Yeah, uh, it was an improved second half. Even then, Mark Warburton post-match described the second half as a six and a half out of ten. So he was by no means happy with it, although it, it was an improvement on the first half. And like you say, since we had those opportunities, most notably Abir Ayeze and uh, Jordan Hugel, 
with the best of them. But Webby, is it just one of those one of those days when it doesn't quite go for us? Quite incredibly, Barnsley bottom of the league and they've done the double over us this season and we're a team that you know aren't a million miles away from the playoffs as things stand that remains the case yeah um i mean you look at it, credit to Barnsley as well i think um as much as you know we weren't at it they they look really hungry they look they looked up for it they looked at it they, i think that's good performance from them as well so similar to at their place where we've not played well we've been we've been punished and but yeah no it does feel like now um you know the remaining games, we, we probably can't, in, in terms of the looking upwards in the playoff picture and everything like that, probably can't make too many more mistakes now. Um, so, yeah, it'd be uh, interesting to see if we can um, do well at Charleston on Saturday. Since we'll speak with Connor Masterson shortly, it be interesting to hear how the players are, are viewing it because if you look at the league table, we're seven points off the playoffs, we're nine points off the relegation zone. So, it's... We, we're almost bang in the middle and it depends yeah, yeah. on your glass is half full or half empty with, with eight games to go. As a player, if I put you in that scenario, that situation, what would you be saying to your teammates around you with eight games to go? I'd be saying, can we get as many points as we possibly can and see where that takes us? Because you never know. Um, but that's, that's, the, that's the media answer since. Within that dressing room... <laughs> What would you be saying? Would there be that that feeling of we're only you just look at it and you think? Well, had I we won that, had we won that game, we'd be four points off the playoffs with eight games to go, and as Leeds lost, we would actually be the form team in yeah. the division. I, I can only think back to the my time at the club, the team I played for. I think I would have been the dressing room. I was. Um, part of and privileged to be part of a great side early 90s that would have been a pretty heated place after the game on uh, on Saturday because take all the excuses out of the way and I, I say excuses I'm not saying anyone used excuses but you know we had a we had a glorious opportunity on Saturday to put ourselves into an even better position than what we were in um, you know, the danger is people look at the running and they go, you know what, you've got Barnsley, you've got Luton, you've got Middlesbrough, you've got Wigan. Uh, I've said it time and time again, they're the hard games. They're the hard games, you know, because um, all those teams, Barnsley included, have got something, they're scrapping for their lives. Uh, but I just felt we missed an opportunity Saturday. Yeah, we lost the game, but in terms of our performance, well below where we needed to be, well below where we have been for the majority of the season. And that would have been that would have been the hardest part for me as a player and a teammate I played for because, you know, we just missed that opportunity. That would have put us in a great position going into another big game at the weekend um, and see where it takes to be. You know, eight, eight, eight games to go, is it? 24 points to play for. We're going to have to go some. But I just want us to finish as a club on a high where we go away after the season finishes and whenever next season gets announced, it's going to start and probably going to be no fans. Now. But just to give Rangers fans real optimism from the direction that we're going in, because I think progress has been made this year. And I'll add to that, just got to be a little bit cautious because if we go on a run of, say, five or six defeats, suddenly the season that looked really, really promising people will look at the, the league table and go, well, not much progress being made there. You know, it was only a couple of years ago, I think we were in a similar sort of position with nine or 10 games to go. 
Uh, I think we'd be Rotherham 5-1. We then lost six in a row. And we had to win our last home game to guarantee survival. We had to beat Notts Forest, which we did 2-0. But if you lose six in a row and teams start catching, you get a few freak results. I'm not saying we're going to be in any danger, but let's just be a little bit careful as well. Let's finish the season really, really strongly. That's all I'm saying. Can we get as many points that I think we've deserved? Not deserved. Can we get as many points that I think the season's work would have had to show for it? That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, let's, let's certainly hope so. We do want to end the season as positively as we can. I'm delighted to say we're now joined by Connor Masterson. Connor, thanks very much for joining us. How are you feeling after the first game back? We'll discuss it in more detail in a moment. But firstly, from a fitness perspective, with the best will in the world, it's going to be a challenge to have three weeks of training before being thrown into a competitive game. How did you find it? Yeah, it was obviously without the fans and stuff, so it was very different. But I think the gaffer and all of us spoke and we said we, t- we felt like we were in a good position coming back. We had our off-season programme and we, we worked harder and everybody came back in, in good shape. So we were all just raring to, to go for the game. And yeah, I don't think that was the issue, if I'm honest. I just think like the performance and we, like you said, we're going into detail now, but like we just needed to be better. And just in units, midfield, the defence, we just needed to be better all around the pitch, really. It's um, Obviously, you're, you're right at the, the start of your footballing career. So while obviously every f- defeat in football hurts, once you're into the, the professional game and there's so much at stake, I've spoken to players over the years and some, it can stay with them all week. Others, they can get over it a lot quicker. We're sat here chatting on a Tuesday and you, you still look pretty peeved about what happened on Saturday. Yeah, being honest, after the game in the dressing room and stuff, and there was a lot of heated heads and upset heads because we just we felt like it was a team that we should have beat and we just didn't perform on the day and it was just hard to take. And it's and the, the quality we have in our team and the talent we have we should be we should be winning that game and that's what what hurt most and me personally I was obviously good after the game and it was just you just want to put things right and it took obviously we all watched the game back we had a chat yesterday and then we just went from there and and we had a good training session today and you know we're getting gearing ourselves up now for Charlton I'll pass over to Simpson in a moment but from from the, your point of view, from the squad's point of view, you said it's been dissected and analysed. What's the, the general feeling of what didn't quite work? Mark Warburton said afterwards that we looked nervous and hesitant in the game. Yeah, um, I just think the the pace at which we played, our intensity, just the top bounds, we were just much more intense than us and we weren't, weren't stringing passes together. We were playing it forward and there was no one to help Jordan and it was just... The line between the spaces between like the midfield, the defence and the forwards, there was just too much space, and they were just picking it up. And the first 15, 20 minutes, they just ran after us and just just gave it their all, really. And they scored the goal. And after that 15, 20 minutes, I don't think they had they had one shot and goal the whole game. We were talking about, it. and that's what I think was a bit most disappointing. It's just the way how we just didn't, you know, the intensity of the game and of our game and it's just it's just hard to take 
Since, do you think that intensity from Barnsley's point of view, and Mark Warburton alluded to it before the game, came from the fact that they're bottom of the table, seven points adrift, nine games to go, they cannot afford any mistakes, draws aren't good enough for them, they know exactly what they need to do, and why yeah. you want to win every game, is it perhaps that Barnsley went into it and there's that mindset of we have to absolutely give it everything we've got? Yeah, See? exactly. Exactly, Paul. I just thought they just literally, like I said, the first fifteen twenty minutes, they just literally ran all over us, and we should have we should have controlled the game better. We should have just slowed it down, just like get up and deal with the second balls, deal with the first balls, and play from there. But I think we we were a bit. What are we going to do? Are we going to play out? Are we going to play long? And then we played long, and then the spaces were too big, and it was just it wasn't there wasn't a clear picture from everyone. That's just on the day it just happened that we just. Because of the way they pressed, and we we should have been expecting it, but we did. We did the way we played. Obviously, it looked like we didn't expect it. I know, but it's just something to learn from. And like I said, we've been working hard. Like especially today, we worked really hard in training, and we just really want to go to Charlton now and get a proper result. Since I was just listening to what Connor was saying there, you know, I I did a pretty much previewed in the week. I did one Saturday morning and I, I, I made a point at saying, you know, Dar- uh, Derby, uh, Barnsley are going to be coming here. And I felt they felt they would have had to win. Um, yeah. you know, if you look at, there were seven points adrift. Um, they had to come to QPR and, and win the game. So I don't think that would have surprised Mark or the boys or Connor or anything that Barnsley would have started sharply. I think the, the, the key thing that happened was Barnsley took the lead after seven minutes. You know, that, that lifts yeah. that lifts them. It puts us on the back foot a little bit. Um, and, you know, the manner of the goal wasn't was, was, wasn't a great goal. You know, big yeah. gap appears and a midfield doesn't track his runner and he bobbles the finishing. But as I say, that just gives them a little bit of a lift. Certainly in these circumstances, well, um, you know, we spoke about the, the no crowd, you know, under normal circumstances. Yes, the Rangers fans would have been grumbling about going but they would have got straight onto the team and almost demanded a sort of response you know that's been taken away now um and within a minute as I said Jacob Brown had another good chance you know and we were just we were just flat I said on my commentary pit I think Nick brought me in after about 15 minutes and I used the phrase we need to waken up and that's not a deliberate uh, way of starting the game it's just the way it panned out and I'll say before even Connor came on if you start a game slowly against anybody, it's very, very hard to pick it up um, and certainly even harder to pick it up without your home cra- uh, fans roaring you on. So, uh, so yeah, difficult start, poor start, um, but through no no fault of anyone's, no lack of application, no lack of fitness, no lack of wanting to do well, Connor's already said, you know, there's, and I'm pleased he said that because before Connor came on, you asked me about what I would be like. I would have said I would have been in the heated dressing room. So that is a great opportunity that we missed. So the frustration amongst the players there. But if you start going back to what I'm saying, if you start a game slowly, individually and collectively, it's really, really difficult to pick it up. Connor, how was it? How was it playing in an empty stadium? Yeah, obviously, like. And he said it was just, it's just totally different. You need the fans are behind you all the time, and in the game usually, and to have no fans and to lift you, like as he said, when we went the goal down, it was just like, 
oh, they scored. Do you know what I mean? It was just there was no reaction. I know they have the, the sound in the stadium and stuff, but it's just it's just not the same as the no. fans. I think we we need to quickly get used to it and get learn from it and just just motivate ourselves much more. And just I'm not saying we didn't motivate ourselves. That's that's the wrong thing. But you know, just be straight in from the start and ready to go. That's what I think we need to do in in the next game. Players often say that they can feed off the crowd in, in games, in big games. So when you, you're used to being able to do that and it's not there, I suppose you, you do have to almost adjust your your psyche, your approach. And, and I think it was most no, noticeable, I certainly felt this watching in the closing stages when we suddenly started creating the openings. Abira had a couple of chances. Jordan Hugel had the chance. And where normally that would lift and create a roar around the stadium and then we've got a corner and there's that buzz and that lift and the, the sort of the whole atmosphere goes up. It was just, it was just so bizarre that there was, was creating these chances, but it almost felt like it didn't mean anything because there was no reaction within the stadium. Exactly, exactly. It was just, it was just very strange, man. Strange for all the players, and like like you said, when I think it was Ebbs had a he cut inside and he he hit one over the bar. Usually the crowd will just go oh and then clap mm. the and say come on, come on, come on. But there was none of that. We're trying to lift each other, and it was just it's just difficult. But we can't use that as an excuse now. This is going to be the next eight games. This is the way it's going to be, and we just have to deal with it and get a result from every game we play and and perform much better than we did against Barnsley. I'll pass over to Webby in a second. Just one, one more from me. From your point of view, how would you assess your own performance? Um, I think me and Johan, we didn't actually have much to do. The first 15, 20 minutes, it was just, I think the whole team was, we were just jumbled up. We were just not expecting them to, not, we were expecting it, but the way they did come at us, it was just, we, it's like we weren't ready, if you get me. We should have been ready. And I think, other than, other than that, me, me and, I had a few maybe passes I should have done better. But other than that, I thought me and Yohan had really not much else to do. And it's just disappointing. Like they scored, they won the chance and that's it. And then in the second half, we were just camped in their half. We just don't get the goal. And it's just, it's frustrating. Do you know what I mean? Hi, Connor. Hello, hello. Hi, yeah. Um, obviously, you uh, started the game on Saturday. Um, Grant, Lee, Grant Hall leaving is obviously a bit of a blow for the team, isn't it? But yeah, just, it's obviously just a really big opportunity for you like, now, isn't it? Holly, since I've come to the club, he's been brilliant with me. He's been giving me tips, helping me off and training off the pitch. He's been a real leader for the team and obviously he's going to be a huge miss for us and I wish him all the best. And for me, yeah, it is... I have to... It's an opportunity now for me to really step in and hopefully do well and keep my place and help the team to results. I mean, it's a bit of an ab- it's an advert, bit of an advert for yourselves now. There's a number of young players in and around the the first team set up, the likes of Joe Gubbins, Faisal Batash. It's a it's a bit of an opportunity now to kind of show what they can do. Yes, exactly. I have to say, Faisal and Joe they've come into train this uh, since we've since uh, we've come back from the pandemic and they've done really well. They've worked hard, they look fit and they look sharp and they deserve to be trained with us, I think. And, you know, it's a great club to be at at the moment, the way they're giving youngsters the chances. And I'm grateful I've come to this club and I, I've said it before, the, min, the day one, the minute I've walked in, 
I've loved it and they've been really welcoming and I've, I'm just enjoying now getting the chance to play all the time. And since I've just come to you in that situation, that scenario where um, from Connor's point of view, I'd imagine he's, he's learned a lot from playing and training alongside Grant Hall. Um, but with him going, if you're a player in that situation, disappointed to see him go, but do you also think, well, actually, this is, this is potentially, well, it is, it's good for my own situation. I've got a real chance now to say, you don't need to sign anyone. Who you need is right here. Well, I just lost that a little bit. Can you just repeat that? Yeah, no problem. I was just saying that from Connor's point of view, I'm sure he's learned a lot by training and playing with Grant Hall. But when a player like that does go, if you're, if you're a Connor Masterson in that situation, you want to say, right, you don't need to go out and get anyone because yeah. the replacement's already in the building. Yeah, very much so. And, um, you know, you see both sides of it. I don't care who you are. If you're in the dressing room, um, you don't want to see one of your so-called better players leave. You don't want to see your captain leave. You don't want to see someone you look up to leave. Um, but on the flip side of that, you're probably thinking, okay, right, I've got a really good opportunity now. Because under normal circumstances, Connor, I'll probably speak for Connor here, and he might agree or he might disagree. Connor would love probably to be playing either alongside Grant Hall yeah. or replacing Grant Hall through his own good play or whatever. You know, the fact that Grant's now left the club puts Connor in a brilliant position. You know, he's done great since he came into the side. You know, that debut against Leeds, when it was thrust upon him with half an hour ago, you know, he put in a magnificent performance. Three, four, five really good performances after that. Then he got his little injury, but he's back. And, you know, the, the, the remaining nine games, what, a, what an opportunity for him to, to grow, to improve, to learn from people alongside him and actually to show the manager, even though the manager rates him really highly, otherwise he wouldn't have put him in, the coach and staff and the Rangers fans, you know, I'm going to be part of this club for a long, long time. And I'm, I've said it before and I'll say it to Connor as he's listening here, you know, he's got a really bright future. Great kid, works his socks off, wants to improve, comes with a great pedigree and he's in a really good position now. So, you know, when people say, you know what, the season, there's not much resting on the season or, you know, there's only eight games to go. You know, you try telling that to Conor Masterson. No. What this season, because this eight games, I'm going to put them under a little bit of pressure here, could be a real uh, foundation block for Conor Masterson <laughs> to... to to get his career at QPR going. That's why he joined us. He's took a step backward to go forwards. He's now in a magnificent position to do that. We wish him well. I've seen him a close hand. I know how badly he wants it. And as I say, great position to be in. So good luck, Connor. Give it your best shot, Pat. Thank you, Andy. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Connor, do you see that, just before we let you go, based on what Sinsen just said then, this is... Is this the biggest eight games of your career? Is that too much or is that a fair point? No, I think that is a fair point because this is my opportunity now and I'm, I'm like loving it. And this is, I've, like, like Andy said, uh, I'm only starting my career out and to get these games 
and to show the gaffer that no, you don't need to go and buy anyone. You have me right here is is massive for me. So that's what I need to do in the next eight games. Just show what I'm about and show my ability and show my character in the team and personality and help people around me and just really take this opportunity and with both hands and stake a claim in the team. That's what I like. Just just finally then, Connor, we're seven off the playoffs. We're nine off the bottom three, eight games to go. What's your target in these final eight matches? Being honest, the talent and the quality we have in this squad, I know we're seven points off, but we should be much closer. And I really think if we get it right now and we will knuckle down and get a result against Charlton, we can really push for the playoffs. I know it's, it's a long shot at, at the moment, but the way we, we're thinking and the quality we have in the dressing room and the way the gaffer and the coaching staff have been speaking to us, we really believe if we put it right on Saturday and then go on to the next game, we can really put ourselves in, in with a chance to get to the playoffs. Great stuff. Listen, Connor, very best of luck on Saturday and next week against Fulham and for the remaining eight games. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Good luck, Connor. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. Cheers. Connor Masterson there joining us on the Loftcast. And he's certainly a very relaxed, confident individual. But you can also tell there that he's still wound up that we didn't make the most of the opportunity against Barnsley. And I suppose that's what you want to see, isn't it, since? Of course, yeah. As I said, you know, um, those players would have been hurting him. Big missed opportunity. And this is no disrespect to Barnsley. You know, I thought they were, I thought they were good when, we, uh, when they beat us 5-3. I know we weren't <laughs> anywhere near what we should have done, but I was impressed with them up there. Uh, the way they started the game the other day, uh, they've got some good individuals. I'll say it again, no matter who you play, if you, if you go to Charlton at the weekend, you're not on it, you'll get beat. Um, as we see time and time and time again. So, uh, so yeah, really honest assessment from Connor. Um, no, didn't, didn't hold back, you know, well below what they should have been. But the beauty of football, and you, you know, you can either dwell on it, and sometimes people understand, you don't have to sit on it all week. You, you analyse it, you discuss it, you work on it, it's gone. You, you can't do anything about Saturday. What we can do is something is better this Saturday. And I think all our energies as a team, the coach and staff, all the energies now will be poured into the training ground with a view to going to Charlton, putting on a performance that gives us the best chance of winning the game. And turning to Charlton, well, just before we do talk about Charlton, it'd be remiss not to mention Alan McDonald. We're recording this on Tuesday, the 23rd of June, which is quite incredibly the eight-year anniversary of Macca's sad passing since. I'll come to you in a moment. Firstly, I'll come to you, Webby, as a QPR fan who watched Macca in his heyday in the blue and white hoops. It's, um, it's incredible, really, that eight years has passed so quickly. He was such a, a special, special player, wasn't he? Yeah, it's a really sad loss, obviously, uh, since, since I remember where he was. I remember hearing the news about Macca's sad passing, obviously, uh, far too young. What a great player. And, um, yeah, since, obviously... Uh, well placed more than anyone to talk about to talk about Alan McDonald. Well, you know, it's hard to believe it was eight years, and I do remember exactly where I was. Um, I took a call from Simon Barker, good friend of mine, teammate. You know, played alongside Macker as well, and uh, he said, "Have you heard the news? Have you seen the news?" I said, "No." And he he, he broke the news, and I was absolutely stunned, uh, stunned, shocked, uh, upset. You know, forty nine. 
uh, you know, but I've got so many happy memories of, of, of Alan McDonald. You know, first of all, you know, what a player. Um, I don't think people realised how good he was. He was a top-class centre-back. He could play, you know, really good technically. He was as hard as nails. Um, he would run through a brick wall, certainly for QPR. You know, he spent 17 years of his of his of his life there. You know, uh, one of the funniest men I've shared a dressing room with, without trying to be funny. You know, practical joker, him and David Barnsley. You know, we had a great side, but I've described. Macca today, you know, was a um, he was a leader. Didn't have to wear an armband to be a leader. He was a leader of men. He was a leader in the dressing room. He would demand from you, and, you know, no matter who you were, if you were me making you playing for England, if you were Les Ferdinand, if you were Trevor Sinclair later on, you know, if if you weren't doing it on the pitch, Al McDonald would let you know, along with a couple of others, Ray Wilkins as well, you know, put him in that bracket. But Macca, leader of men, inspirational the way he. You know, he pulled that blue and white hoop shirt on and put his body on the line for the team. And, you know, the word legend at football clubs, I think, is sometimes used a lot too, or far too much. Alan McDonald is a legend of QPR. Certainly was. And can you imagine what Connor Masterson would learn by playing alongside a, an Alan McDonald in his pomp? Um, well, we turn it to Charlton now. How do we approach this one then? Since they'll be obviously targeting the win there. In the relegation mire, they got um, at one point above the drop zone. They got a big win over Hull on Saturday. So that's given them a, a real good chance. So it's pulled them out of the playoffs, but out of the playoffs, out of the relegation zone. But they've certainly got a battle on their hands. And at home to QPR, while there's no home advantage, they are still at home. And they will be targeting three points. There's no denying that. Yep, I'll put them in the same category as Barnsley. You know, games are running out. They had a brilliant win at the weekend. You know, you, you look at the lockdown. Uh, going into the lockdown, we were six unbeaten. If you look at Charlton, they lost the three previous games without scoring a goal. So that might have helped them just to regroup. I know they've had a few off the field things that uh, uh, Lee Boy has dealt with um, well, in my opinion. Um, you know, but they had a great win on, on Saturday up at Hull, Leapfrog Hull. But they will target us, and this is don't like don't mind saying it, don't like saying it. They will target us because they'll think, you know, come on, another three points. One thing, it gets us gets Charlton closer to QBR, and two, if results go elsewhere, it'll just get them away a little bit, nudge them away from that relegation zone. So, really, really tough game, as they all are. How do we approach it? Same as any game, we'll go and try and set a stall out. We'll go and try and impose ourselves on Charlton. But we need to start the game well. We've 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 spoken. We keep speaking about the you know the the circumstances we're playing in. Let's forget that now. It's a game of football. Us against Charlton. We got to go toe to toe, head to head. And we've got to come out on top. You got to win your individual battles. And if we do that, we've got enough on our side to go and get a result that we need. But it won't be easy. Who are Charlton's big threats ahead of your uh, QPR Plus co-coms commentary this weekend? Well, I like Aidan McGeady, you know, they took him on loan, I think, and I think he's experience and he's know-how, but he's a, he's a really, really good player. Um, you know, they've lost their striker, or they haven't lost their striker, but you know what I'm saying, Lyle Taylor, big threat, he's, he's yeah. not going to be playing. Um, but they've got, you know, Bonnie up top uh, can be a handful. But I think Charlton's strength will be the collective. 
And I think what Lee Boy has done over the last few weeks, maybe by sending that message and making that message very clear very early, has probably pulled the group together. They know they're in a fight and they started off really well at the weekend. So, uh, so yeah, we're going to have to be at it. We're going to have to be at our best. Um, I would say it's a London derby. Well, it is a London derby. Nothing changes there, but it's a London derby without the fans. Already said earlier on, I think uh, playing home or away, I don't think there's any advantage anymore. It just comes down to who's the best prepared on the day, who goes that extra mile, and possibly who has that little bit of luck, you know. But uh, we're good enough to go there and win. And Webby, just a word on Fulham, who we play next Tuesday, 6.30 kickoff for that one. Um, they had a disappointing result, of course, against Brentford at the weekend, but they've got Leeds this weekend, and if they were to win that, then they would come to the Khan Prince Foundation Stadium just four points off the automatic spots. So potentially, obviously, all games are, are huge, etc. but potentially, if Fulham get a result against Leeds, then Tuesday's game between QPR and Fulham is absolutely enormous. Yeah, I mean, they'll be going into this weekend similar to us, really. Um, massively disappointed that they probably didn't take advantage of, you know, the opportunity to go. We had the opportunity to go four points behind the playoffs. They had the opportunity to go four points yeah. behind second. It, for both of us, really, I mean, it, it feels like a bit of a big weekend for us, you know, in terms of our, obviously, since you spoke about the need to be cautiously optimistic, seven points off the playoffs, nine points off the bottom three. But it does feel like a bit of a big weekend for both teams, really. You feel that if Fulham, Fulham are beaten on Saturday, that might, be, that might be it in terms of their automatic promotion chances. That'll be, what would that be? That'll be 10 points with seven games to go. Mm. Um, for ourselves, yeah, you, you, do feel like, uh, you do feel like there can't be too many more slip-ups in terms of, you know, looking towards the top half of the table. Yeah, so... Bit of a big weekend going into it, but uh, yeah, it should be a good game anyway. Fingers crossed. And since very finally, we'll come to you. QPR Plus is the only place you can watch those matches. QPR or Charlton against QPR and QPR against Fulham. It's available on QPR Plus. If you're not yet a subscriber, visit qpr.co.uk. Select QPR Plus on the left-hand tab, and then you'll be able to purchase that match pass. Domestically, it's available for £10.00. Internationally, it's available for £5. Commentary provided by Nick London and Andy Sinton. Since how much are you enjoying the QPR Plus, plus commentary, co-commentary? You've been doing it for a good while now, but there's almost added importance because it's the only way that ours fans can see what's going on. Yeah, I, lo I, I love the role, you know, and um, the, I realise in the coming weeks, you know, we've got a big, big part because that's the only way Rangers fans can watch the game. Uh, I get excited, I get frustrated, you know, Saturday wasn't easy, you know, they're the games, you know, but um, thanks to everyone who, you know, tuned in and hopefully on Saturday, if you, if you tune in again, you'll have more positive stuff to, to watch and for us to report on, you might hear me cheering two or three times, which uh, <laughs> it's, been a long, it's been a long time since I've been able to do that and I can't wait to be able to do that again, especially if it gets us the three points, but uh, no, I, I, I love it and um, I say it's great to work alongside Nick, you know, another huge QBR fan, knows his stuff. But uh, yeah, we're at the Valley again on Saturday and uh, come on, you are. Absolutely. And don't forget, if you are tuning in, it's a 12.30 kickoff. Charlton against QPR this coming Saturday. Thanks very much for joining us on the Loftcast. We'll be back again soon.